Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. Okay, church, remember what we've been talking about, okay? Uh, Put your thinking caps on because I know a week has gone by and we celebrated Easter and it was glorious, but we finished up here in chapter 6 and here's what we dealt with in chapter 6. We dealt with six seals, guys, of judgment, okay? This is the six seals of judgment. You could say this is where the tribulation is actually started. This is what's going to happen in the world. Now, you go, well, what happens? Well, God's going to judge, listen to me, he's going to judge a world that's turned their back on the Lord. That's what he's going to judge. Okay, now, what I'd like to do, okay, let's do this. Um, So I could give you a run and go, so everybody online and and all of us here are all caught up here in chapter 7. Let's go back and let's talk a little bit about what we've learned, okay? Just a real quick run and go. How so? Well, in chapter 1, guys, it gives us an incredible picture of Jesus. Now, remember, John is on the island of Patmos. Do you guys remember that? Now, why was John there? Why was he there? Well, it was for the word of God and his testimony right here. Now, remember and be encouraged. Sometimes in the midst of our biggest trial, listen to me, Sometimes in the midst of our biggest trial comes our biggest blessing. Okay? You go, what do you mean? Well, what happened to John? John saw Jesus. John saw Jesus, right? And, and I was just thinking, ever been there? Ever been in one of the biggest trials of your life? Or you might even be there right now. You're in the midst of your Patmos. Jesus is there. You understand that? If you are a fully devoted follower of Christ, Jesus is in the midst of your trial. He's in the midst of your tribute. He knows all about it. Now, what the enemy wants to do is come in and says, you're alone. We've abandoned you. You're, you're nothing. And that's not true. Because that's how John would have felt walking in the island of Patmos. He would have felt like, oh my gosh, but there's the Lord, right? And he's showing himself faithful, real, true. Here's my advice to you. Hang in there. I know it's tough. We're not just saying, oh, come on, get over it. No, 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 it's tough. But let me say this, God's going to see you through. God's going to see you through. Okay, look back in your life for just a second. Has he not always been faithful to us? Even when we're not faithful to him, God is faithful to us. Even when we turn our back on him, he still loves us. And that's where we are in chapter 1. Then in chapters 2 and 3, guys, do you remember? John writes letters from Jesus to the seven churches in Asia Minor. You and I can see that throughout church history, each period represents one of these real churches. Okay, and you go, well, Ben, what did we learn? Remind me. Well, we need to guard our walks like everything. Guard them from what? Well, here's the one thing we want to guard them from. Getting so busy with service programs that we lose our love for Jesus. Getting so busy that we lose our quiet times, our devotion times. Okay, we need to guard our hearts from that. The very first thing as you get up in the morning, if you have time, maybe some of you are night owls and you do it at night, but you need to spend time 
with the Lord. And what I mean by that, guys, is I don't mean watching Christian television. I don't mean sitting there. I mean you and the Word of God through the power of the Holy Spirit speaking to your heart. Asking the Lord to speak to you. Lord, let let the Word of God speak to my heart. I'll tell you, he'll show you things. Listen, I'm not, I'm not bashing anointed pastors. I'm not bashing anoint. I love, I'm, it's the anointing. But guys, for you specifically is when you get in the word and you start saying, God, show me. It's amazing. Well, what else should we guard our hearts from? Well, remember, we got to guard our hearts because we learned, guys, that if we do Acts 8, 1, we can expect Acts uh, if we do Acts 1-8, we can expect Acts 8-1, right? If we're going to serve the Lord wholeheartedly, unashamed, for Jesus, you can expect to be persecuted. You just can't. You know, you can expect it. You're living in, well, this ain't your home. You go, Ben, what else? Well, we need to guard our hearts from compromise, right? Don't, don't marry the world. Don't marry the world. Well, it's so easy. If we, if we just did this, if we just did No, 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 no. See, First John writes, First uh, John 2.15 says, Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So, so here's what we want to do, guys. Don't, don't compromise your walk. Don't compromise for anybody. Well, what else should we learn? Well, how about this? Write this down. Guard your walk from corruption. You go, how so? Real simple, idolatry, false teaching. We need to guard our hearts. We need to guard our walks. You know, well, what else? Well, how about number five? We guard our walk, guys, and our heart from becoming dead. You go, Ben, what are you talking about? Well, remember, you're, you're only thinking that you're alive and it's in name only. And it's, it's basically this. It's, you're a Christian because you bought a Christian t-shirt or you have a Christian bumper sticker or you got a fish in the back of your car, but you don't even have a walk with God. And see, God's not mad at us and going, he says he, he wants that fellowship with us. He has so much for us. He invites us, guys, to this amazing banquet full of food, and you and I sit at home, and we'll just sit there, and, 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 and we, we, we feast on scraps when God's going, I have all this for you. No, no, I'm, I'm just going to stay here and just eat. Man, we got to guard our hearts, guys. we got to guard our hearts. I don't want to be a Christian in name only. I want to be on fire for the Lord. Years ago, there was a song and um, I can't remember. We used to sing it, and it was, it was basically, I remember Jimmy Swaggart singing it, but it used to be, love through me, Holy Spirit, love through me. And that's what I want. I want the Holy Spirit to love through me. Let these hands be used for your glory, God. Guys, we need to guard our hearts and our minds as though to produce revival. Guys, where does revival start? In your heart. In your heart. Remember we talked about that? You want revival? You want revival? Draw a circle on the ground, right? Step in that circle and revive everything in that circle. Watch what God will do. Watch what God will do. 
Guys, we're living in a time where hearts are growing cold. Feathers, they're growing cold. People who love Jesus that were on fire are now cold to the things of God. This is the world we live in. The Bible says, yeah, there's going to be a time when people say, yeah, I'm good. I'm, I'm good. I don't want to be that. You see, I have the same heart as you do, and I can go there. Where the things of the Lord don't, don't affect me like they used to. Where, the, where, where, where Scripture would speak to you and it would bring tears to your eyes. Do you remember that? And now we're just like, ah, yeah, praise the Lord. We know the verbiage. Praise God. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. I don't want that, guys. I want the Holy Spirit to fall on us afresh. I want, I want to see him do new things in our lives. When was the last time that we got super excited when we led somebody to the Lord? Oh, let somebody to the Lord, man. Yeah, it was all right. Yeah, cool. I do that all. No, no, no. This is, this is somebody being transferred from life, from death to life, from darkness to light. This is a big deal. It's a big deal. And I love that the Lord says, I want to use you. 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 I want to use you to make an impact in your little job, in your community. Well, pastor, you're supposed to say that. You're the pastor. That's your job. You're supposed to be spiritual. No, see, we're all Christians. We're all Christians, and we should be so in love with Christ that, that we're just revived in our hearts. The Bible tells us that every morning before we get up, we should put on the whole armor of God. And I would ask, and I would ask the question, when was the last time you got up and said, I'm going to put on the whole armor of God? Or do we just get up? Unfortunately for me, there are times when I go, where's my coffee? I'm coffee. No, you know what I need? The full armor of God. I need to put those on before I get up, man. I've got to guard my heart. I want to guard our hearts, guys, and this is so key. You ready? We need to guard our walks from becoming lukewarm. Okay? Being indifferent. See, we're not hot. We're not on fire, but we're, we're, you know, we're not cold, right? We're lukewarm. So it's that lukewarm that comes out of the, out of the tap that's neither, ugh. you know, it's not hot enough for tea, but it's not cold enough, you know, I mean, it's just lukewarm. You know what Jesus said? Jesus said, that kind of walk makes me sick. He said, I'd rather you be cold. I'd rather you be hot. Don't be in the middle. Don't be lukewarm. We learned so much from those churches. Guys, and then in chapters 4 and 5, we got to deal with worship. See, the channel changed. Everything was down earth. The channel went up to heaven, right? And we got to see worship. And we talked about this. What is worship? Well, remember, here's the thing, and I think we can apply it to our lives. Worship is giving glory, honor, thanks, and bowing down, casting our crowns before the throne. That's what it's about. Speaking, worship is crucifying self and exalting God in every aspect of your life. In every aspect. That's worship. We saw that. I think of I think of worship, and it takes me back to the days that um, when 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 I was first dating, um, 
I see Sophie Vaughn here. I see uh, Joseph and Bethany, and they're dating. And you guys remember when you were dating? And and I think you guys remember when when you were dating, man. And the first thing, but walking through, oh, pitter patter, pitter patter. It was that. It was that, man. It was just that. And and really, nothing else mattered. And maybe your buddy was trying to talk to you, and you totally tuned him or her out. And I'm like, what? No, 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 no. There, there she is. There she is. Wow. And all that mattered was him or her. And then you get married. Santos, did you just laugh? Santos. <laughs> and then you get married. And she's so beautiful. He's so handsome. And I've seen, and I've, got, I've had the privilege, guys, to be right here when I'm, doing, when I'm officiating weddings, and I get to see the way he looks at her. You know what? He's not listening to me at that point. As soon as she walks down that aisle, he's... You go, why would you bring that up? Here it is, because I think that's how we should worship the Lord. When I'm singing to him, nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. Jesus is the only one in this room. And all glory and honor and thanksgiving are his. Listen, there's nothing on this earth that we should bow down to except Jesus. Can I get an amen? That's the only thing we should bow down to. I'm reminded of a story whose wife was so depressed. The doctor says... Now, see, this is all she needs. What's that? Well, she needs to be hugged every day, seven days a week. And the husband looks at the doctor and says, Now, Doc, I can get her her here six days a week, but I can't make it on Thursdays. Right? She's looking for (laughs) hugs. Yeah, yeah, that bombed. Okay. But really... When it comes to worship, we've become like that fellow, have we not? We give place and promise, prominence to everything else in our life, but when it comes to the Lord, well, I can do it, but not Thursdays. Oh, I can do it, but... but. Worship is what Paul told us in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for the glory of of the Lord. That was chapters 4 and 5. Now, we were good up until then. You understand? Because, guys, listen. We had some lessons from the churches, church history. But now we come to chapter 6. And remember, chapter 6 is the beginning of the great day of God's wrath. Listen. In this wrath, we still see God's mercy. And you go, well, what do you mean? Well, listen, his wrath is slowly increasing in intensity, okay? He's trying to get people to come to him, okay? He's allowing opportunities to get saved. But remember, in order to get saved in the tribulation, you have to die. You have to die. And people don't understand that. You have to die. Now, now listen, let me just take a step away from the pulpit for just a minute. Let me just talk to you guys for a second, okay? 2020 
was God's wake-up call for the church. He's trying to get us ready. Okay? But what we see in 2021 is we're, we're going to wish it was 2020. You understand what we have coming. It was, 2020 was just a little, oh, let's get our feet wet. Oh, wait a minute. It woke us up. It surprised us. But we, what he's doing is the intensity of what we can see coming down the pike. We have to be ready. We have to be ready. And the problem is, guys, is that, is that a lot of people are going, no, no, we're fine. We're fine. You see, we only had 12 cases today. We're fine. We're fine. But, but there's a lot of things happening behind the scene. And what God wants to do is he wants to wake up his church. He doesn't want hearts that grow wax cold. And I think he's, we see that as the tribulation. It's just his mercy. He's saying, wake up. Wake up. But in the tribulation, guys, in order to be saved, you're going to have to give your life. Okay, let me take it one step further. In the tribulation, if you decide to stay, if you decide, uh-uh, I'm good, you know, I mean, I'll just... It's not only your life, but what if you have children? What if you have parents? What if you have all of these things? And they'll say, no, 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 okay, see, you can live, and, then, and, then, and they're going to torture your family in order to get you to denounce Christ. You see... You see, let, let's talk reality for a second, okay? Let's talk reality. If we decide, no, nah, not going to give my life to Jesus today, not going to follow him, I'm good, everything's good, right on, cool, and we decide to get saved during the tribulation, we can easily say, well, I'll die, that's no problem. I'll die, I'll give my life to the Lord, I'll die, I'll die. But what we can't handle, guys, is our loved ones that we're going to see tortured and killed right before us. That's what's going to be brutal. I'll tell you why. Because there's not a mom or a dad out there that is going to be not willing to even sacrifice their eternity for their kids. There's not a mom and dad that go, no, 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 take him, that's fine. No, 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 give me the mark. You see, it's not just, it's not that simple where people go, oh, I'll just die, I'll just die. <laughs> I'm good, I'll just die. It's, it's, all of your extended family. Well, Ben, what's your point? Well, think about this, guys. Think about this. Death is not the Antichrist's ultimate goal for those who receive the Lord in the tribulation. He's not like, oh, just kill them all. His ultimate goal has and will be for those through torture and extreme means to renounce Jesus and turn to him. So he's not just going to go, oh, okay, come here. Think about this. Just think about, think about some of the worst torture you can imagine saying every time. When I first got saved, my friend used to tell me, think about this. Think about someone coming and pulling out each fingernail at a time. Ah, think about torture. Think about, I mean, I don't even, I can't even think that way. But so it's not just going to be, we're going to kill you. It's going to be turn from Jesus. No. Turn from Jesus. No. I'll never. I, You guys, it's going to be brutal. So for those who go, man, you know what? I'll give my life to the, I'll give my life to the Lord then. 
Think again. Remember, the longer you wait, the harder your heart becomes. Now, we're all caught up. Chapter 7. Last week, we were left with the question. Guys, look at verse, six, look at verse 17 of chapter 6. He says, For the great day of his wrath has come. And who is able to stand? Well, that's an awesome question. Okay? As we move into chapter 7, we are given the answer. Okay? So if you're taking notes, here's what I want you to jot down. Okay? The first thing is the number of multitude seal, and you can put dash the Jews. These are the number of multitude that are going to be sealed. That's the Jewish people. Number two, we're going to look at the unnumbered multitude standing. The unnumbered multitude standing, and that's going to be the Gentiles. Okay, so you have the Jewish people, Santos, and then you have the Gentiles. That's what we're going to look at today. Okay, so let's talk about it. Verse 1, he says, John writes, After these things I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, holding four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, on the sea, or on any tree. Your attention, please. Remember, we're right in the middle of the tribulation. We've just gone through seals, devastation, war, famine. You guys understand, the world is not the same. Okay? The world is not the same. And so he writes, he goes, man, I saw four angels. Now, there are four angels standing on the four corners of the earth. You guys with me? Okay? Now, here's what I want you to do. I just want to teach you just a little bit. Okay? Some try to discredit the Bible by saying that the Bible right here is saying this verse, um, because of this verse, this means that the earth is flat. You understand that? You ever, you ever hear the flatlanders? They think the earth is flat. They get it from this verse because they're saying there's four angels standing at the four corners. The Marine Corps, guys... Their ad says, the Marines are in the four corners of the earth. Does that mean that they believe in a flat earth? Of course not. It's a figure of speech referring to the four directions, north, south, east, west. You understand that, okay? But if we do this, if we take a verse out of context... If we don't understand how to, to effectively pull it out and understand it, then we can make it say anything we want. Okay? We have to be so careful that we don't take verses and then just make them say what I want them to say. Oh, we four corners of the earth. We have to be so careful, guys, that we don't mix the four corners or these four angels in the four corners with the rapture. See, we can tie in verses. No, 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 no. He's saying, this is what I saw. This is what's going on. It's a fig- I says, I saw angels, and here's where they were. They were standing on the north, the south, the east, and the west. What are they doing? That's a good question. Ready? Jot this down. They're holding the four winds of the earth. Okay? They're holding the four winds. You go, well, Ben, I'm not sure what that means. Okay, so if you're taking note, winds are symbolic of what? Of devastation and destroying. So we have powerful tornadoes, winds develop hurricanes, and it brings great devastation. Now, in the context, we see that God is dealing with the earth. Through what? Through sealed judgments. How? War, famine, death, earthquakes, all of that stuff. And then I thought about this verse in a literal sense. Think about this. Now, this is really hard, Santos, because we live in West Texas, and it's always windy in West Texas. 
had a friend of mine call me up yesterday. He's like from New Mexico, and he's like, yeah, it's windy out here. I said, bro, you don't know wind. We're over here. This is We got haboobs coming through here, bro. I live there. But think about this, okay? Think about this. Imagine this. What if there were no wind on the earth? I'd be happy. No wind. It'd be great. No, no, no. Think about this. Think about what would happen. Air pollution, first and foremost. Okay? It'd become unbearable. There'd be no wind to blow it away. Also, if there's no wind, there'd be no rain. Okay? So everything dies. Everything would die, become brown, ugly, and not only that, could you imagine the smell? The smell? What, what about the smell? I mean, why would, why would you say that, Pastor? Here's why. Considering what we've looked at these last two weeks, guess what's happening on earth? Rotting flesh. So many people are going to die. So many people from the judgments, from all that's going on, guys, from no food, all of this, that they're, we're not going to have people, they're not going to have enough to, people to bury people. You understand that? And so think about the smell. Think about rotting animals. Toxics, wastes, gas, all of that stuff. That, without wind, could you imagine what this world would be like? Brown, ugly, dirty, no trees, nothing. And then smells horrible. God, our God, he commissioned these angels to hold back the wind. He says, hold them back. I don't know about you. I don't want to be here. Why? Why would, he, why would God do this? Well, look at verse 2. He says, then I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was granted to harm the earth and the sea, saying, do not harm the earth or the sea or the trees till we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. And I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000, all of the tribes of the children of Israel were sealed. Okay? Guys, verse 4, underline that verse. The who? 144,000 of the tribes of the children of Israel, they were sealed. Okay? So the reason they're holding back is like, so he says, okay, hold on. Then we saw another one. Don't harm the earth. Don't be careful before you do this. We need to seal 144,000. Okay? Now, here's what I want you to do. Chapter 7 marks what we call a parenthesis, a parenthetical break between the sixth and the seventh seal. So these six seals come out. The world has gone nuts. You and I are not here. We're in heaven. Okay? We're in heaven. We're excited, but we know this is what's happening down here. Well, Ben, why would you tell us? Because here's what prophecy does. It gets our hearts stirred up to be able to tell people about Jesus, those of those watching online, podcasts, whatever it might be, we can get the world out. And maybe through the power of the Holy Spirit, someone would surrender their lives to Jesus and not have to go through that. The problem is, Sally, is that we know people that are not Christians. We know, and we're praying for them, and we love them. I was talking to Steve next door, and, it's, and, and we got to talking about what's going on in the world, and it's almost like the world is shaking their fist in God's face. We want a world without God! Well, be patient, because it's coming. It's coming. 
Isaiah said it like this, woe to you who call evil good and good evil. That's what we're doing. That's what we're doing. That's what we're doing. We're allowing politics to pull and, 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 and shape things that have nothing to do with... It's gone nuts. And if you guys have read the news like I have and different stuff, you're just tired of it. It's gone nuts. And never once... I mean, I mean last year... Pastor Soph and myself and Nathalie, we all, stood, we all sat on this couch and we talked about what, what the pandemic meant and everything, but never did we think we would go from that, okay, let's be careful, let nobody get sick, okay, we don't know what this is going to do, to now where we're going, look at the world, it's even worse. And it's not about a pandemic, it's just gotten worse. Well, the Lord's trying to warn us. He's trying to warn us. But the question that was asked in the last chapter is who's able to stand? Who's able to stand? Well, there's going to be two groups, right? He says, I need to seal 144,000, okay? Look at verse 5. He says, from the tribe of Judah, 12,000 were sealed. From the tribe of Reuben, okay, now when I read these guys and you don't mind writing in your Bibles, just circle them for a second because I want to show you something, okay? So you have the tribe of Judah, then you have the tribe of Reuben, Then you have the tribe of Gad. Those are 12,000. Then you have the tribe of Asher. Okay? Those of you watching along, circle these. Then you have the tribe of Naphtali. Okay? Then you have the tribe of Manasseh, verse 7. The tribe of Simeon. Okay? Then you have the tribe of Levi. Okay? Then you have the tribe of Issachar. Okay? Then you have the tribe of Zebulun. Right? Then you have the tribe of Joseph. And the twelfth makes the tribe of Benjamin. Twelve thousand, twelve times twelve is 144,000. Got it? In verses one through eight, we see a group of 144,000 sealed by God. They're sealed for their protection. God will separate this group by his seal to be uh, protected from certain judgments of God before the return of Jesus, okay? Not the rapture, the return. Okay, now this is amazing. Why? How many groups do we know have claimed to be the 144,000? You've had, you had um, Garner Ted Armstrong. He ran the Worldwide Church of God in Pasadena, and in his publication, The Plain Truth, he says that his members were of the Worldwide Church of God are the 144,000. Now, recent years, he's come around, but his son Herbert, believe it or not, still holds to that. We're the 144,000. Now, here's what he goes on to say, that if you, you can be one of the 144,000 if you tie 20% to his church. And if you do, he's going to send you a text, he's going to send you an email when it's time to flee into the wilderness. 144,000. What? Another group, guys, who think there are 144,000 are known as the Jehovah Witnesses. They claim to be 100, but see, they change their stance when they start approaching that number. 144,000 special ones in heaven. Then we have 140, we have the rest on earth. Once they passed 144, they didn't know what to do. And then we also have historic Mormonism. And then Ellen G. White 
and the Seventh-day Adventists, 144,000. Now, here's what I want you to see. I bring those up because there should be no disputing who these 144,000 are. You ready? They're from Israel. They're Jewish, okay? There should be no disputing who this is. We shouldn't stand up and go, no, we are, we are, 144,000. That's pride, okay? Why? Where are we right now in, in, in Revelation 7? We're in the midst of a tribulation. We're starting the tribulation. It's there. Okay, put your thinking caps on, guys, for just a second. You hear the rapture, gone, right? Lots of people die because of the rapture. Lots of people get saved, but now they got to give their lives to the Lord. Lots of people die be, as the, uh, uh, the events unfold. War, famine, earthquakes, lots of natural disasters. Now we have no wind, and it's just like... And people stand up and go, I'm going to be part of the 144,000. No, 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 listen, listen. It's pride of a person that thinks he wants to stick around after the rapture and be 144,000. Be one of those. Why? Because number one, as a believer, I'm already sealed, right? Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, read it. In him who you trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. So when you got saved, you were sealed with God's Holy Spirit. You don't have to be 144,000. This is a tribulation. You're already saved. Number two, when the rapture takes place, guys, I want to go home. I want to go home. I don't want to stick around here anymore, Right? I'm going to be the first one on the bus. I'm out of here. I'm out of here. Number three, as a believer, guess what? The Bible says that all of us, guys, have been invited to a wedding banquet according to the Scriptures. Right? Revelation 19, verse 9 says, Then he said to me, right, Blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are true sayings of God. So we're invited to, to a marriage supper of the Lamb. Oh, hold on, Santos. I don't want to go there because I want to be one of the hundred. No, I don't want to be. I'm going to go to eat. <laughs> I'm ready to go. I want to be with Jesus. Guys, think about it. It's just people who get so prideful. And they don't understand. And they can't, they, they can't see the scriptures. See, verse 4 tells us this, guys. All of the tribes of the children of Israel were sealed. Okay? Now, I'm going to go out on a limb here. I'm going to stick my neck out and say, these are the tribes of Israel. That's who's so. You go, yeah, Ben, right. These are what they're called Messianic Jews. These are people that believe that Jesus is the Messiah. They're going to be sealed. And so there's no confusion. He proceeds to list the tribes. Okay? He says, I'm going to take 12,000 from this tribe, 12,000 from this tribe. You go, what does he mean? Okay. He says, I'm going to take from Judah, Reuben, Gad, Asher, Naphtali, Manasseh, Simeon, Levi, Asakar, Zebulun, Joseph, and Benjamin. He's named the tribes. This 12,000. Okay. Here's something you could do. Here's something you do. If you ever run into somebody, Sally, who says, oh, I'm one of the 144,000, you could ask him, okay, what tribe are you from? Because he's telling us what tribe they were, right? Well, well, I don't know. I don't know what tribe. What tribe are you from? Right? 
Where did we get the tribes from? Well, consider Jacob's sons. His sons became the 12 tribes of Israel. You go, yeah, I knew that. Now, Joseph, second to the youngest, had two sons. Do you guys remember? His name was Ephraim and Manasseh, which sometimes represents Joseph. So sometimes you won't see the tribe of Joseph. You'll see Ephraim and Manasseh. You go, amen, amen, okay. This would make 13 if you took Joseph out and you put the tribe. You go, yeah, that would. But, guys, remember, the tribe of Levi was designated as the priestly tribe, and they were not to have their portion. Numbers 18 and 20 says this, Then the Lord said to Aaron, You shall have no inheritance in their land, nor shall you have any portion among them. I am your portion, your inheritance among the children of Israel. So here's what it's, here's what's interesting. Levi is listed in this, this phrase here in Revelation. But it's not for portion. What is it for? Protection. He says, I'm going to seal them. It's not to give them something. He says, I need to seal them. Okay? Joseph, notice also that Joseph is mentioned instead of Ephraim. You go, why? Well, because usually Ephraim and Manasseh are mentioned together since they received an equal portion of territory with the rest of the tribes. But here we have a list of Manasseh, then Joseph, because Ephraim is included in the tribe of Joseph. Now, Ben, why did you have me underline every single tribe? Why? Well, for my Bible students here, if you read the portion carefully, you would recognize that there is a tribe missing. What? Yeah, it's a tribe of Dan. So Dan's not in here. So why is Dan MIA? Why did he not list it? Well, put your thinking caps on, guys. According to Genesis 49 and 17, God says, Dan shall be a serpent by the way, a viper by the path that bites the horse's heels so that the rider shall fall backward. You guys ready? That's idolatry. That's idolatry. Okay? Led Israel, right? Dan was the tribe that led Israel to set up the golden calf. They were actually, actually, when they set up, it was in the region of Dan. And according to Deuteronomy 29, any tribe involved in idolatry will be separated from the remaining tribes of Israel. Wait, 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 Ben, 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 Ben. This is, this is God's people, tribe, tribe, tribe of Dan. He's not mentioned. No, the Lord is trying to show us something. Dan settled on the coast. They were unhappy. They moved to the region of the Sea of Galilee, and they quickly fell into idolatry, guys. Why is that important? Because if we were to look at their life, our life, our walks with God, that can happen to us. When we move away from fellowship, when we move away from, from community, when we move away from studying the word of God, we can easily fall into idolatry. We begin to worship other things. Other things become more important. Let me tell you this, guys. There is nothing more important than the Lord Jesus. There's nothing more important. Not a job, not a relationship, nothing. It has to be the Lord. 
Now, when you put Jesus in the throne of your heart, everything else falls into place. Trust me. Or should I say, trust him? He knows so much better, but, but think about it. So they fell into idolatry. The Bible tells us that Dan is not here. He didn't mention Dan. And there's a couple of reasons. Let me just give them to you. Let me just give them to you, okay? Um, they migrated up the coast, and maybe they just kind of joined in with the tribe of Naphtali. I don't know. Maybe that's, that's a reason. You go, okay, well, what other one? Or maybe they fell into major idolatry, and they were blotted out from Scripture. They're not in here anymore. Some rabbis, check this out, guys. Some rabbis believe that the Antichrist is actually going to come out of the tribe of Dan. I was like, wow, that freaked me out. But what I love is that God is so merciful. You go, how so? Well, according to Ezekiel 48, 1 and 3, which describes when the Lord comes back to set up his millennial reign, Dan is the first tribe given an allotment. So they're not mentioned here, but God hasn't totally ruled them out. And I see God's grace and mercy. But see, that's what I want you to see in your life. Is God's grace and mercy. So, these 144,000, where are they sealed? They're sealed on their foreheads, right? They're sealed. Do you know what a counterfeit of that is? You go, yeah. The counterfeit mark of the beast, 666. What does it say in chapter 13? It's either going to be on your right hand or on your forehead. On your forehead. Nathalie pointed out something very interesting to me when all this whole pandemic started. You go, what was it? She goes, do you see what they're doing? And and we even did it. You go, what's that? They're taking our temperature. How do they take it? They would put something right on our forehead. Wow. Huh. What if there's an infrared scanner on the... I I don't know. Just a thought. Just a thought. It's just like... So what's the purpose? What is the purpose? We're not sure, but we seem to know, we seem that, that because we're told in Matthew twenty four fourteen it says this, and the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. So what do we see? We see 144,000 Jewish Billy Grahams preaching the gospel. Wow. That's going to be amazing. You want to stick around and see that? No. I'm good. <laughs> I've read it. <laughs> right? Hey, you want to go see that movie? No, I'm good. I'm good. I'll wait till it comes out on DVD up in heaven. We'll, that's how we'll see it. It seems, guys, that they would be part of this 144,000 preaching the gospel. So, this is the first group to stand, guys, during the tribulation. And uh, we're going to learn a little bit more about them in chapter 14. But then we move into the second. You go, what's that? It's the, it's the unnumbered multitude standing. Let's go. The second group, guys, these people we've already met. Do you guys remember who they are? These are the martyrs we talked about last week. Remember we said the silly joke, what's a martyr? And I said, nothing. What's a martyr with you? You know what I mean? That's this, these are martyrs. Let's read it. We're going to read seven, 9 through 17. You guys ready? After these things, I looked, and behold, a great multitude which no one could number 
all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels stood around the throne, and the elders and the four living creatures fell on their face before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom, thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders answered, saying to me, Who are these arrayed in white robes, and where did they come from? And I said to him, Sir, you know. So he said to me, These are the ones that came out of the great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne and dwells among them, they shall neither hunger no more nor thirst no more. The sun shall not strike them nor heat. For the Lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them into the living fountains of waters. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Wow. Wow. Guess who these guys are? If you're taking note, these are the people who refuse the mark of the Antichrist. These are the ones going, no, 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 no. I'm not going to take it. Not going to do it. Okay? They're going to profess Christ, I believe in Jesus, in the tribulation. Okay? They're going to stand. You guys ready? But they're going to stand just unto death. They're going to stand unto death. And remember last week, and earlier in our studies, I, I gave you two reasons why that. I'll get saved instead, uh, I'll get saved then instead of now isn't going to fly. You go, why? Well, let me give you a third reason why I don't want to be part of this group right here, okay? Although they're amazing, they're wonderful, they're in heaven, okay? Let me give you a third reason. You ready? Look closely. This is heavy. These people, Right here, they're not the church. You go, what do you mean? They're not of the church, okay? They're not the bride. They're a different category in a different position. Yes, they're in heaven, okay? Yes, they have their white robes of righteousness. Amen to that. Yes, the angels are rejoicing because they are there, but they're in a totally different position from the church. They're not included in the bride. Doesn't that blow your mind? You go, Ben, what do you mean? Well, look at, look at verse 15. Therefore, where are they doing? These people, they're before the throne of God, and they serve him night and day in his temple, and he who sits on the throne will dwell among them. That's what these people are doing. You know, Ben, why, why are they not I'm, not, I'm not sure, I'm kind of confused why they're not the bride. Well, listen, because we're the bride, we sit, according to Revelation 3.21, to him who overcomes, that's me, I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. Guys, guess what? We don't have to stand, Santos, we get to sit. We get to sit on the throne with our God. 
Okay, ruling and reigning with him throughout the millennial reign. They stand. What are they doing? Guys, the Bible says they're going to serve him night and day, night and day. Man, we're blessed. We're blessed. I'll tell you why. Listen, I'm blessed, okay, because I have people in my life, and I know people who are going to, who, who basically are not serving God right now. They want nothing to do with God, and I'm praying that they'll get saved. These are what I call fence walkers, okay? They're fence walkers. They're walking the fence. They're like, I'm not, I'm not really all the way in. I'm not really all the way out. I'm just a fence walker. But maybe when, when, when the rapture happens for reals and reality hits, they'll get saved for real. But they're not going to be the bride of Christ. See, right now we're the bride, and we're waiting for our husband to come and get us. All of our families that have gone before that were in Christ, they're the bride. They're waiting for us. And if they could explain to us, Sally, how beautiful that is, then we, I think something would happen. If we really set our mind in heaven and Jesus and all the beauty that's there, I think a lot of the earthly ugliness we could just... Move aside. We'd have to dwell on it, you know? I want to be so heavenly-minded, man, that I'm just like, wow. Well, you're ugly. Okay. Well, you're this. Well, you're, well, okay. Because I know where I'm going. It's going to be so beautiful up there. And our loved ones who have gone before are sitting there going, I want to tell you. Oh, I wish I could tell you. I wish I could tell Phyllis all about Oh, I wish I could. Oh, it's going to be up. She's coming soon. Okay. Okay. Amen. And so is Ben. And so is Soph. And so hey, they're coming. It's going to be glorious. But these guys right here, guys, they're, they're going to be serving the Lord. It's a great place to be a servant, serving the Lord. And I love this because look at verse 16 with me real quick. It says, they shall neither hunger anymore nor thirst anymore. The sun shall not strike them nor the heat. Why would the Lord write that, guys? Why would he write that on there? Here's why. Because remember last week we talked about the polar axis, okay? What if something happened that caused a shift on the polar axis? There would no longer have seasons, okay? If something happened to the polar axis, it would be extreme summer with temperatures reaching probably 120 to 150 degrees. And now remember, the wind has stopped, so there's no wind, He says, he says, man, you're not going to worry about the sun's not going to strike you or the heat. I don't know what God's going to do, will do during this time. But one thing I do know for us today, it's found in Luke 12, something amazing. What's that? Luke 12, 35 says, let your waist be girded and your lamps burning. And let yourselves be like men who wait for their master when he will return from the wedding. And when he comes and knocks, that they may open to him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the master, when he comes, will find watching. Assuredly, I say to you that he will gird himself and have him sit down and eat and will come and serve them. You go in, what, do you, what, what does this mean? Guys, I don't know what he's going to do, but I know what we need to do. We need to be ready for the Lord. Okay? We need to put aside our differences. We need to be right with God. We need to rejoice 
Don't let the enemy rob you of your joy from everything. Don't let the enemy do it. Time's too short. You understand. Time is too short. Listen to me. There is nothing on this earth that is worth staying and missing the rapture. There is nothing. Think about what chapter 6 and 7 just talked about. No, thank you. No, thank you. No, thank you. So what should we be doing? You ready? So we're going to be doing, we're going to be watching. Right, feathers? Tomorrow. Today, Lord? Today? Right, Rosa? Today? Is he coming? We're going to be girded up. We're girded up. We're ready to go. Our lamps are burning bright. All right. All right. Ben, what should I do? Okay. If you're not right with Jesus, get right. Get right. Surrender your life to him. Get right. Make that change today. Don't wait. If you're here and you're right with Jesus, can I just tell you this from the bottom of my heart? Enjoy your life. Don't let the enemy rob you. We get, we're, we're, we, we've got a bright future, guys. The enemy, listen, Amanda, this is the worst it gets. This is it. This is the worst. We get, it's so, it's so amazing. This is, this is the worst. But for some people, this is the best it gets. No, 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 no. No. All the strife, all the tribulation, all the stuff. This is, this is it. Okay. I, I'm going to keep my eyes on Jesus. So enjoy life. Enjoy life. Don't take each other for granted. Don't take each other for granted. That's where we need to be. Father, thank you for your word tonight and the truth in your word. The church, the bride, we're ready for you. Thank you, Lord. Lord Jesus, I don't know who's watching, but maybe somebody happened to click on Calvary Chapel Lubbock and they've heard this and through the power of your, in the beauty of your spirit, that Lord, right now, their heart and their, they might be convicted just a little bit, Lord. I just, I know you're doing a work. And so I would pray that if you're watching online or you've heard this podcast and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, that you would do it right now. That you would, by faith, put your faith and trust in Jesus. Recognize him, acknowledge him as God's only son who died on the cross for you. And he was buried and he rose again. And he's coming back for us real soon. Would you do that? Would you just pray and say, God, please forgive me. I surrender my life to you. I give you my life. I love you. That's, that's what you need to do. And when you do that, God's going to come into your heart. He's going to forgive you of your sin. He's going to restore unto you his wonderful joy. It's going to be a glorious day. But we want to know about it. So if you did that, would you just, uh, uh, you can call the church. 
you can, hey, um, leave us a comment. Hey, surrendered my life today. We'll rejoice and we'll praise with you. We'll pray with you and we'll praise God for you. So we love you. God bless you guys. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.